Hey, what's up, guys? This is Grant Schwartz with the Conscious Athletics Podcast here for another episode. If you guys are looking for more information on what we're doing here, please take a second to visit us at ConsciousAthletics.net and or Conscious Athletics on Instagram. This episode is brought to you by Be Cool, Be Smart, Be Alive, teaching our youth their rights and how to de-escalate. For more information, please visit BeCooler.org. second episode of conscious athletics um we got kurt coleman on the line here well i guess we're not live but we are direct um so uh you know if you if you listen to the first one and you 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 bore with me enough to, to come to the second one thank you very much um but you know kurt is going to be our guest today um so a little bit about kurt kurt and i uh full disclosure uh are very very good friends and have been friends uh not since the very beginning as i'm sure he'll like to tell you about but Pretty quick thereafter, um, Kurt and I were uh, were dorm roommates, uh, as well as uh, he made the, the the silly mistake of deciding to live with me for an, another year off of campus um, after I scared him <laughs> with my ability to do several things that we won't mention on this podcast. Um, he decided to uh, to go for for quieter pastures and and, and move on from from our uh, living quarter relationship. But we uh, we remain very very close friends to this day. Um, you know the reason why I wanted to have Kurt on. As my first guest is, um, you know, number one is his his perspective on the whole matter is 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 very deep and nuanced. But um, he had a, you know an, an amazing career. Kurt was a was a top recruit coming out of high school, so he experienced that whole part of the process. Obviously, uh, becoming an Ohio State Buckeye with myself. Um, I think at the time that Kurt graduated, um, that class was the winningest class in Ohio State history. Um, Kurt had a lot of uh, individual accolades during that time as well, uh, all Big Ten, I think, multiple times. Uh, definitely an All-American his senior year, um, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles um, in 2010, and then went on to have a 10-year-plus career, not without trials and tribulations, as as anybody can attest to what that process is like. But um, yeah, without further ado, uh, Kurt Coleman, what's going on, man? Hey, brother, brother. Thank you for having me, uh, Grant. And, um, you know, thank you just for this platform that you are putting out there. Um, I look at uh, a couple of things, you know, we're going to we're going to dive right into some of the myths and truths of of, of it all. But I, I do love the name Conscious Athletics. Um, you know, I think you have really hit a space. And when you talk about just people, but athletes, especially just the amount of mental space you have to allocate and uh, be able to separate things and compartmentalize things. Um, that's where you talk about elite athletes. But then, you know, we we talk about our our living situation and I, I look back at our very first moments of just getting to know each other and I do recall I think you didn't like me. Um you're walking around with your shirt off like in a completely unnecessary situation. Like, come on. <laughs> I still do it to this day. So. <laughs> Personality trait, man. That's it. That's it. Um and uh, I, I, you know, I, I think your dad was the one that kind of forged our our bond, which, you know, if anyone gets to know Grant, they better get to know Brian because um, there is no Grant without Brian. And (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, to to really just, you know, before you and I even met, I I like to think about just kind of how things started for me. Um, You know, I was uh, in a big family. Um, I I was one of nine kids, you know, 
you know, what you talk about brothers, stepbrothers, to me, it's just a big old family, a melted pot and family. And um, being the youngest boy of that family, you know, you kind of have to just fit in where you get in, but also, you know, when you get the opportunity to hang out with your older brother and their friends and you get to play against them, it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I think for me, the growing up and the maturation process, I always felt like I had an, a level head of kind of where I was at amongst my peers because I was hanging out with my older friends. But then again, the level of play always felt like I was better than my brother's friends in a lot of things that we did. Well, and that was just part of your brother, though, right? It depends what sport we're talking about. And for soccer, uh, absolutely not. But uh, I'll beat them in any other sport. Okay. Um, but I, I, I always relish that opportunity. So when I did get to the high school um, stage, I always felt like I was ready. You know, and there's some people that just aren't ready um whatever whatever level you're talking about but I always felt like I was ready um but it took me time to get to that point as far as the coaches acknowledging that I was ready right and and I think again I go back to that maturity piece of knowing that yes you're preparing you're preparing you're preparing even though you feel like you're ready but you can't rush that moment because when that moment does happen you got to be ready um and so when I finally got my opportunity on the stage in my junior year to start at high school, it was just literally gates blew wide open. Um, you, you didn't, you didn't uh, play varsity till your junior season? Till my junior year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, and that's what I was telling you. Like, I mean, I felt like my freshman year. Um, so there was, uh, you know, Ohio football is one of the best footballs in the country. Um, it's like fourth or fifth for sure. <laughs> it goes like California, one A, one B, and then like I guess Florida, Texas, and yeah, you could slide Ohio in there for sure. Per capita, I, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but for for sake of our argument right now, um, you know, there there was there's a deep class, and and so my freshman year they did pull me up to varsity, but I never played. So I'd play freshman ball, a little bit of JV, and then boom, and then sophomore year it was JV, and then I would obviously get a little bit of like special team stuff. I don't count that. Um, but I always felt like during my sophomore year, I was like, I don't know why I'm not playing. I'm, Wait, hold on. You, you just, just discounted my entire career at Ohio State, though. I said high school. I'm talking about high school right now. <laughs> and I'm talking about varsity status. Like, I, I, uh, varsity status. Like, I felt like obviously I was playing, but I wasn't playing. And then junior year came. Um, that was really like when the floodgates went open. And I remember um, vividly before my very first game of my junior year, we were playing at uh, the University of Dayton, which is the, uh, the college in uh, Dayton, Ohio. And we were going against a team that had, I think, four D1 recruits, um, one Javon Ringer going to Michigan State, a guy going to uh, uh, Michigan, a guy going – like, it was just littered with talent. Right. And my dad was like, look, I want you to know, there's going to be a bunch of scouts in that stands, and they're not there to see you, Sounds like but, make, but make them notice you. And I said, noted. And, and, and that's kind of how, I, you know, I, I figured out, you know, I can't worry about other people's opinions. I can't dictate my circumstances as far as how people view me, but what I get to do, what can I control is how I perform. And that's really, you know, been the the thing about, I felt like that separated me in a lot of different circumstances is um, I'm not worried about that stuff around me. Um, you know, whether people want to do it, don't want to do it or whatever, like, I got to do what I feel like that's what's that's what's best in my interest. And so I, I look past my junior year and it just I had 10 interceptions. It was just a crazy year for me um, in the football realm. And that's when, you know, obviously the scholarships, the letters, the visits, they just started flooding in. 
And I think, you know, you can, you can talk about this too, but I felt like it's just a whirlwind. And, and from what was that 2004 to basically now the, that landscape of being courted as a high school recruit, <laughs> it's missed out is all I'm going to say. <laughs> it, it's, it is ridiculous, but um, you know, again, I, I wouldn't change my experience because it was, a, you know, I feel like it was a really, um, it was surreal at the time. Um, it was, it was really cool just to see like all these people, you know, infatuated with my abilities and then, you know, come to Ohio state. And, you know, I never thought Ohio state was going to be the place I went to. And, you know, I would love to know what you think, but I I think for you, your story is a little bit different because your dad had already gone there. So it's like, you know, had your dad not gone there, would Ohio state actually been in consideration? Knowing you probably not. No. Um, But let me take a step back there. I think the, the one important thing that, that I liked about that story is, you know, it, it's clear that you're a physically talented person, but I think the thing that always sets you apart and in my mind and, and, and clearly, um, and, and, and others minds at the end of the day was your, was your mindset and your ability at a young age to implement that mindset to benefit yourself. Um, while others, um, like myself <laughs> or some other, some other people, um, they, they don't have that maturity. Um, and I think that's one thing that I saw with you early on is, as your ability to, 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 like you said, to block out the noise and to get hyper-focused on what your goal was. But yeah, we were at Ohio State. Yeah, we were at one of the top, you know, football schools in the country. And, and not in our opinion, this is ranked in USA Today. So come at us. Um, but, uh, just your, 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 your hyper-focused on what that next step was going to be. And not in, the, in a way of I'm looking forward past what's happening right now. It's I know what needs to come next. So I know, know what I need to do now. And, and, and from that story, what you're telling me, um, it seems like that was something that was going on at a, at a, at a very young age for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think for myself, it's, it's, it was very evident as far as I knew I wanted to play professional ball. Um, and honestly, you know, I, I always thought baseball was going to be the sport. So I would always spend winter season instead of playing basketball, which I did love playing and my dad coached. And, um, but I, instead of doing basketball, I said, I'm going to train for baseball. And I always felt like baseball was going to be that avenue. Right. And I think with life, you know, you look, you life, it, time just moves in a linear motion, but really uh, a perspective of being able to look at it from a, an aerial view, I think helps kind of make, it makes things easier to understand and adjust as things kind of move throughout time, right. because you're going to continue to get older, you know, things are obstacles, gonna, but how does that obstacle shape where you're going? And that's the hard thing when you're in that moment. But I, I think, like I said, you know, I knew I wanted to go professional uh, at something and I knew what it took. Hey, beer pong was to... a pretty good option for you, too, though. I mean, there's legends around the country about your, your beer pong prowess. So I thought we were I mean, I thought we were tag team partners in that one. But um, we were we were, you know, but I'm OK. I, I know I was like, you know, I was like the Clay Thompson. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> hey, they won four rings together. Uh, they, they are the Splash Bros. I don't need the spotlight, baby. I just need the rings and the paychecks. That's it. I mean, there's a lot to say about, you know, Clay's Clay and his, 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 his accomplishments in itself. But, um, you know, I, I, I think about just, you know, for me, I was always able, and I think what helped me was being one of nine kids, being in a, in a divorce household, being, you know, I was used to handling different things that came my way, but also keep in mindset, like I knew where I wanted to go and be and and accomplish and so I, I think that just you know as I was trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do, should I go football or should I stick with this baseball route that I've always loved 
um, it was it became very clear once I, I you know I started speaking with people, and I think that's something that I, I want us to you know never forget is you know you don't have to have all the answers. I didn't have all the answers. I was 16 years old, 15 years old. I didn't have all the answers at that moment, but I was able to seek wisdom and seek out knowledge from people that had more experience of life. Right. Um, they may not have had the true traditional go to the NFL or go to the MLB, but they had experienced life. And I was never um, too arrogant or prideful to ask for that help and to seek out the help that I needed to get me to that place. And I, I think that's what, what kind of helped me say, all right, football, look, I can go to I can go to a top D1 school. I can get a free education. And you know what? I'm going to go there and ball out. And honestly, I didn't know if um, the professional, uh, I guess, uh, uh, the professional realm was actually attainable. I wanted to do it. Right. And then, you know, um, Ohio State came, comes, go there. And I remember, if you think about our um, our recruiting class, you know, if you just look at the recruiting class, I mean, we had studs. Now, not everyone panned out to where, what, quote unquote, you know, what scout.com put it out there. But, you know, I look at our dorm room. It was me, you, Ross, and Beanie. Um, around us was, you know, Thaddeus, Rob Gibson, uh, Ray Small. Um, Aaron Molson. And- Shout out, Aaron. Aaron um, Mark Johnson, Mark Johnson, blue chip. Um, when we had some studs. No, yeah, I mean, obviously, being a school like Ohio State, every single year there's going to be a, a crop of, of of guys who have the talent, right? And I, I think that's the the difference when you're when you're talking about that that upper echelon. Every single person that comes in there is is physically they're gifted enough to, gifted enough to get it done, but the mental aspect is 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 a completely different story. And I think. Um, if I were to look at both of us, I mean, physically, I'm bigger, stronger, faster. Um, <laughs> no, but physically, 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 we are, we are You're uh, taller. I am taller, but we're all, we're very similar. Right. Yeah. Uh, we are. And so I think, but the main difference between us at that time was, I think the, the, the fact of how serious you took it and the mindset that you had, whereas for someone like me, and I feel like a lot of people in our position fall fall trapped to this but um you know when 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 you get to that point you've had a lot of success on the sporting fields um i was an all-star from the moment i stepped on a baseball field as well as a football field always excelled at anything i did athletically um and that gave me a confidence um probably a little bit too much of that confidence to feel like hey look you know there hasn't been an obstacle that i haven't that i haven't chested up and gone past um and the truth is the higher you get up the level it, you know, it, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. And, and you, and, and it's not the physicality that's going to get it done. It is the mental part of the game. And yeah. um, for me, it, it took me, it took me a while to, to get there. Cause I wanted my cake and to eat it too. I wanted to come in there and be in a, you know, a house state football player, but I also wanted to um, experience what college had to offer. And I thought I could kind of balance both. And I thought that was kind of that main area where you separated yourself was, was your ability to say, Hey, look like, you know, yes, we are here in college, but I'm, I'm here with a purpose in mind. Um, and you were able to implement that in, in a way that allowed you to to see you know great success. Obviously, we've already ma- mentioned your accolades, um, but you know you weren't you weren't you know some guys come in and they're like you know this guy's a starter, Beanie Wells. He's going to be a, he's going to be a starter. Ray Small. He's going to be a starter for us. Um, you know, extrapolate the names out across any class you want. I can pick out those people for you. Um, but that wasn't you. Yes, you were a top recruited player. Yes, they had high hopes for you, but you weren't given anything. You went no. out and you went out and earned that. Um, and you know, the, the proof was in the pudding. So, I mean, yeah, yes, you know, your career at Ohio state was pretty seamless, I would say, um, in the fact that you were able to put your best foot forward and then continue to see that success. And then, 
you know, establish yourself as a three-year starter, but um, you tell me, I, you know, I know, I, you know, I know that we're pretty close, but I'm sure there were some times during, during your stint there that um, you felt like, you know, is this the right path for me? Yeah, well, very quickly. And, and, and so to your point, two things that happened quickly, I wanted the number two, obviously Malcolm Jenkins had two, so I couldn't get two. So I said, if I can't have two, let me get four. They said, you can get number 117. (laughs) And yeah. And during, uh, during spring ball, you had to wear number 29 and you can earn the number four. I'm looking around like, why, why am I the only one that has to earn this number? Like everyone else is like being, or what number do you want? What number do you want? And so from the very get go, you know, that they, they separate the guys that they want to make sure they want to cater to and the guys that they opposite they want, but you gotta, you gotta go get it. And so I realized that early on, like, Oh, I got to go earn whatever it is that I'm going to get. And then, you know, um, you weren't there yet, but during the spring ball, you know, I had paralyzed one of our teammates. And that was, that was another, that, that was actually there for that. I was in the stand. You were there, you were there for that. I, I'd come out for, uh, from, it was our spring break and, you know, I hadn't, hadn't had much of an opportunity to be involved with the program because obviously being from California and Ohio state being in Ohio, um, I just hadn't had much of the interaction. So I wanted to get out there. And, uh, I remember I was sitting in the, I was sitting in the, in the bleachers, um, in, in Ohio stadium when, when that unfortunate thing happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a good, a good topic to touch on. Um, you know, Tyson Gentry is a, is a very close friend of both of ours and, you want to talk about, I mean, I'm getting chills yeah, just talking about the yeah. guy because he's, he's such a special person, but um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was um, for us, like, I mean, it was my second week of spring ball. So I'm a freshman. I graduated high school early. Um, and again, you just heard me talk about wanting to earn the number uh, four. So what can I do? How do I do it? You make splash plays, you make plays when your teammates and basically we had gone through all the practices and then it was a scrimmage. And, you know, anyone that knows Ohio State program, earning the scarlet jerseys is what you want as you practice. And so it was offense, defense, scrimmage. Um, I was playing corner at the time and he ran a basic curl route and I was just driving on the curl, just like that routine play, any DB, um, the ball, he was catching it, come from behind, hit him, tackle him. He fumbles the ball. We pick it up. We run and score. I'm thinking, man, we just, won the scrimmage um coaches are going to love on me do all this blah 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 right and then i look back and i i see that there's there's the clip um of the film and i'm running as we make like that you know uh almost the brigade of of people to kind of convoy people to uh and i look back and he's not even moving and you know i i think the severity of everything um you know the you, you don't know. So you, you play mind tricks as to worst case scenario typically is where your mind goes. Um, and to later find out obviously that he was paralyzed um, and didn't know the extent of what all that meant. And to know that I was the person that, that did that to him. It was a, it was a heavy, heavy burden that was, that I was carrying on my shoulders and um you know, I thought about quitting football. And again, I, I think about the network of people that I had to speak with that, that kind of reached out to me, but also was there to kind of comfort me, care for me, um, let me feel what I needed to feel, but also um, help guide me in a time like, you know, I was, you know, I talked about that journey and um, I, I didn't even care about, <laughs> care about it. Um, 
And so I, I was thankful though, uh, after two weeks, um, he had had a few surgeries. So I wanted to wait till he was actually at a place of, of, um, consciousness, but also alertness, um, and ability to be able to speak. And I was nervous as heck, um, to even just walk in that, that room. And actually I brought, uh, you know, Chris Merrill with me at the time. Uh, what? But, That's right. Wait, all right. Continue. Um, and you know, I needed somebody that I, I, I that I, I need, I needed somebody with me that knew me that, you know, that, Anyway, so we walk in the room and the first thing, you know, Tyson, first off, his mom and dad give me hugs. Um, and, and then Tyson, they help lean Tyson up. I give him a hug and he says, you know, it's not your fault. And at that moment, I realized, man, you know, he is displaying a sense of humility, a sense of, of, of forgiveness, you know, grace, mercy to me that I probably didn't deserve because I don't know how I would have handled that situation to be honest with you right um and again it it helped shape me it really did that that early moment helped shape me to know that um this game that I get to play like it's again I get to play this game like the um I'm not going to take it for granted um every time I step on that field you're going to get everything I got but I'm not taking this moment for granted. Like, and I made sure when I tackle people, I'm not taking this tackle. Like, you're gonna feel every bit of me. Even even when I was young, I was 185 pounds. You're gonna feel that 185 quickly. Um, and I always felt like, you know, people would always look at me again from a physical stature, and I wasn't the biggest guy, Grant. Um, I was pretty fast, but I wasn't the fastest guy. Um, but I had a hard time finding someone that was more willing to go as long as I was, as hard as I was for whatever it took. I had a hard time finding somebody out there. And, and if I, and if I did find someone out there, you earn my respect. Um, Absolutely. I mean, that's that, that, uh, and you know, obviously in the guise of, of what we're talking about here, like those little things that, that little aspect of yourself, while it served you tremendously during your playing career, those are the type of things that like if you can learn to tap into after your playing career is over, which sometimes is hard. You think it would be easy because it's just who you are, but it's the the actual application of those thought processes and that mindset doesn't always come so naturally. Um, and it's something that needs to be cultivated. You need to kind of build that bridge on how do I get that thing that I already have and apply it to whatever it is I'm doing for for you right now. It's, you know, being a dad and working in administration at the school. For me, it's, you know, with with, you know, doing my sales job and being a father as well. And, 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 and husband for both of us. Um, <laughs> Duly, no, yeah. You got to work hard at that. Should we mention that? But like those, those are the things that are so powerful as athletes that we, that we possess. And they're, they're, they really are superpowers because when you get out into the normal world, um, and you know, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, 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 to downplay anybody else's experience who's not an athlete, but the thing about playing sports is it, it brings so much of life to the forefront there's no hiding you ha it's all out there on display um and you know the higher you get up those levels the, the more that the more that becomes the fact um and so it, it cultivates these type of attributes um so you know what you're talking about one with the ability to to overcome an, an incident like that when i mean for for most of the people listening they're, they're athletes so that they can probably feel the chills that were we're going through my body while kurt was describing that but like to be able to compartmentalize that Obviously, it goes a long way that Tyson is the person that he is and that he was able yeah. to kind of give you that peace of mind. 
Um, yeah. But to be able to compartmentalize that and then go back out there and play a sport that is predicated on violence, let's be honest, um, is, I mean, that's, that, that's a, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. And then to do it at a high level, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody's top of mind right now is, you know, with what happened with DeMar Hamlin. And um, I, I, I'm sure you were in the same boat as I was, as, as many of our, our, our former teammates and, and, and guys still playing were like, what are we even doing this for? Like, why did we yeah. ever do that in the first place? Like, that's, yeah. that's a possibility that that could happen. Um, so just like, you know, think about that, like what it means to go out there and, and, and have that in the back of your mind that this could not very well be your last play. This could be your last moment on, on this earth. Um, and man, you know, that's, that's a, that's a very heavy place to be and to be able to have the, the mental strength to say, you know, yes, I understand this is a truth, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to compartmentalize and I'm going to go out there and, and, and do what I love and, and, and do what my job is requiring of me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, that's one, that's one example of your time at Ohio state of, of, you know, your mental fortitude and what that allowed you to, to achieve. Um, and now that we're talking about a lot, I, I got to get Tyson on here to hear him talk. Cause yeah, that guys, <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell, I'll tell a quick, funny story about Tyson. Um, so for anybody who knew me in college, I'm, you know, you, you hear my mellow voice now and, and I am definitely a much different person than I was back then. I was, I was very much, uh, about that action <laughs> and, uh, any, any little moment that presented itself, I was, I was ready to jump on and. I was driving myself back to to the apartments after, I don't know, practice or class or whatever it was. And this van is driving next to me and it, it keeps coming in my keeps coming in my lane. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And so I'm like, I'm getting heated. And like we pull up to the stoplight. And so like, you know, I like undo my seatbelt and I look over and it's it's I don't know this guy. It's some guy driving this van and he's like he's talking shit. And then all all of a sudden the, the passenger seat comes reclining up and it's Tyson. And he's just he's just busting up laughing at me like you are so easy man you're so easy. And I was like oh man but just just a little anecdotal story about the the, the type of person that, that that Tyson is and was then and and, and still is today so um, but yeah I, I digress I'm I'm gonna reach out to Tyson I'm gonna get him on here but um, yeah so I mean that was early on in your career um, from that point on you know you, you went forward with this mindset I think one of the things that like I remember giving you shit for when we were in school. And you talked about a little bit earlier um, was your willingness to 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 not have an ego and reach out to to other other people that you know either have the same exact experience or maybe a little bit different. The, the person I'm thinking about in this particular uh, uh, moment would be someone like Will Allen, right? Um, I knew you're, yeah. For me, I you know, and I, I still am this way today, and I try to change it. I'm, I'm a I'm a lone wolf when it comes to getting work in. I did I I I think about it now, and I think how stupid I I could possibly be to to to, to do this, but. I would sometimes I would stay home. I would stay in Columbus on break because, again, it was hard to get back to California all the time. Mm -hmm. Instead of going into the facilities and working out like I was already doing, I would sneak in onto the back fields and get my working without anybody watching. Why? Go in there, go in the facility, let people see that you're working, work out with other guys, yeah. get, get involved, all that kind of stuff. So it was a detriment for me um it, it definitely it definitely uh you know inhibited my my ability to 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 grow within the player that i was um but that was one thing that that you weren't afraid of man you 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 reached out to the former guys you reached out to the to the some of the current guys some of the older guys and, and you and you got in their pocket um and i i feel like that helped you tremendously and i feel like that's a kind of a good story as to like you know what how important it is to lean on our networks 
and to lean on the people that are in our lives because at the end of the day, people want to help, man. And yeah. uh, I think that's a that, that's a, a cool story. So talk a little bit about um, you know your your experience with Will and you know obviously Mike Doss and and I'm, I'm sure a, a variety of other guys as well. But yeah, so yeah. it was spring break. Yeah, spring break. I don't know our mm-hmm. sophomore or junior season, and I'm I'm trying to convince you to go to Cabo, but you won't go. Where are you going? Well, even well, for, let me back it up even before then, and, and so this was even during our freshman slash a little bit of our sophomore year. Ahmed Plummer was coming back and working in our strength staff, and you know. I think when you, when you're always in a position of like, you've been there, kind of done that. It's about how do I give back? Um, how do I help see other people kind of succeed? And, you know, Ahmed was there. He not because he had to be, but I think he was, again, he was in his transitional phase, but also um, wanting to work with the athletes and be a part of the program. And I'm like, I got this first round guy that played buco amount of years in the league baller, and he's a technician. Like when you think about him as a corner, like he was a technician. I'm like, if you saw a med on, how, if you saw a med on the street, you'd be like, Who? oh, he was he, but he he was so lean. But I'm like, you got something about you. How do I pick your brain? Can you show me what you do? We literally went and we would do this one step pattern, step punch, step punch, and he would make me do this for literally 45 minutes. And I'm like, but no joke, it's the first step you win at the line or you lose at the line. Facts. And, <laughs> and you know what it was, you know, if you go back to like the karate kid scenes, wax on, wax off. And, and that's totally who Ahmed was. Mr. Miyagi did. He was, he was such a cool, calm demeanor guy. And, you know, I was thankful for those moments. And then, yeah, you fast forward to our junior year and yeah. I mean, did I want to go to Cabo? Yeah. <laughs> Did I know? Well, there was two things that stopped me from going to Cabo. Hey, I don't think I didn't think I had enough money to get back from Cabo and actually survive, which you can talk to after this. But um, I want to get that work in, man. And uh, again, like for me, I, I knew I would only get so many opportunities to be able to do this, which was play the game that I love for so long. And there was only going to be so many opportunities I was going to get with a Will Allen or Mike Doss to actually say, hey, man. You want to go to the facility? We'll watch. We'll, we'll teach you how to break down film at our level. I'll show you, and we'll go through drills. I'll tell you what it actually, what the scouts and what the coaches are looking for at this level. I'm like, yeah, I didn't care. Like, and and you know, to me, like that that was the sacrifices that I had to make because it wasn't like I, I don't think again. I don't think the the pro route was just going to be given to me. It's not given to anybody. But some people are just more naturally gifted than the others. And so some people were always given the benefit. Of the doubt. I wasn't one of those guys. I had to earn everything along those way, along the way. And I had to do the little things. And, and honestly, um, you know, I think that we get caught up in, especially now with social media and that, that FOMO of, trying to miss things out. You know, did I, did I wish I would have went with you guys? Absolutely. Do I think I would have had a great time with you guys? Absolutely. No, we, but well, we did have a great time. I, yeah. I, I believe, I mean, I, I, there's never not a great time, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to give up a good time for a great moment or a great lifetime. And to me, like I'm, I'm looking back now, I can look back and say, wow, like you, you, your choices that you made 10 years ago, have put you right in this position to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Those are defining moments for sure. For sure. And you want to talk about your, what happened uh, when you came back from Cabo? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, finance. Well, first off, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it it was it was it was Kurt and and myself as, as, along with thousands, tens of thousands of other student athletes who struggled through you know our our per diems uh, to to make a life for ourselves. But when you the way that we were set up on our on our payment, we were on quarters, right? And so like there would be we would get our last check two weeks before the quarter ended. And then we would go on like a 10 day break. So now you're talking almost a month and then another two weeks until we got our, 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 our next check. Once we were back in school or back training, whatever it was, so you're talking about a month plus of, of no money coming in, still having to pay rent, still living, all that kind of stuff. This was also during 2008 timeframe where, um, if your family was like mine, they were struggling tremendously with, with finances and, and had, you know, a bunch of, you know, hardships in that way. Um, but yeah, I wasn't really thinking about. Uh, uh, anything other than getting myself to Cabo. I think actually the only reason I was able to go to Cabo was because I got rear-ended in front of Champs uh, Sports Grill. And instead of taking the money to pay for my bumper, I took the money and flew to Cabo. <laughs> so I could tell you... <laughs> I could tell you... You can teach a whole class on financial not literacy. Yeah, but it's still making it happen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that was really the, 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 uh, some of the big differences between Kurt and I is I, you know, I, uh, I wanted my cake and to eat it too. And, and I also, there were some happenings early on in my, in my career at Ohio state that, that made it feel like my relationship with the coaching staff was adversary, uh, was adversarial, excuse me. Um, and, um, if you know me, I'm, I'm actually, you know, there's, you know, I'm not really into astrology, but there's this, this book that we have for fun at our house. It's called the book of birthdays. And, each day has its own little, uh, its own little moniker for it. Right. And so my, my day is the day of irreverence. Um, and if you don't know what irreverence means, it, it basically means a complete utter lack of respect for authority. Um, <laughs> which Kurt can definitely attest to is, is something that I possess in spades. And I, it, it hurt nobody but myself. Cause guess what? Jim Trestle still in the coaching hall of fame. Luke Fickles, uh, had a, a, an extremely great career at Wisconsin or at, at uh, Cincinnati and is, is going on to do big things at Wisconsin. Um, I mean, you name, you name down the list of, of people that were involved in there. It didn't affect them. It affected me. Um, and it took me a while to really kind of come to grips with, with that fact, right? That, Hey, look, yeah, you may not, uh, be getting the best role from some of these coaches or from this program, but you're responsible for that. You know, you have a big part in that. And, um, you know, it was a little bit too little too late for me. Um, it took me until about my my redshirt junior year. So I'd been there for like four years until I was like, holy shit, the writing is on the wall. Like, if I don't turn this around now, like me getting to play ever again past this point is 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 becoming uh, a far fetched dream. And, you know, um, I put together a lot of good stuff there at the end of my career, dealt with some injuries. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it was too little too late. And, you know, was I angry at the time? Did I did I point fingers? Did, did if you asked me what I thought about Coach Tressel at that time, I would have told you this, that, and the other about the man. Um, but you know what time has given me is perspective, and that's you know one of the main reasons why this all came to fruition. To be honest, um, was kind of my understanding of my role in in my you know lack of success. Um, and you know it's it's hard to say lack of success. I was a four year letterman at Ohio State and. Um, I had some opportunities to play professionally. So like in some people's perspective, that's, you did everything, but in my perspective, it was, it was falling short either way. Um, you know, that, that perspective, that time gave me, I was able to look back and say, man, you know, like 
what were the things that, why were the reasons that you didn't play? Because, you know, I, after I would train with, I trained with you, I would train with other NFL guys I, for, for two, three years after. And I would sit there, I'm like, this guy's been in the league for three years. Like he can't hold my jock strap. What the fuck is going on here? Um, and, you know, it was like, well, maybe because you were a jackass, maybe because you were focused on doing this, that, and the other, instead of putting in the necessary work to be a professional. Um, and so, yeah, you know, those were the shortcomings of, of my career, but, um, kind of digressing and getting back. So like, you, you know, you, you, you're gaining all this knowledge. And I mean, you know, I, I laid it out in the beginning, you know, what the success was you had at Ohio state and, you know, anybody who knows what it, what it means to be a three-year starter and a captain and an all American at Ohio state knows that getting drafted in the seventh round is a slap in the face because I mean, you're, you, you put everything that you could possibly do on film. You competed at the highest level and excelled. Um, and then to, to kind of have that, ah, yeah, we'll take a flyer on him in the seventh round. I know that had to be a moment for you. Cause I actually, I remember we was during our spring game. Um, and we were supposed to have a, we were supposed to have a, uh, well, we did have a draft party. Um, and I remember getting done with the game, like checking the phone, like what round did Kirk get drafted in? And like, he hasn't been picked up yet. And I'm like, what he hasn't been fucking picked up yet? And then someone was like, I don't even remember homeboy's name, but he was like from Indiana state. He came to our pro day and he like ran like a four, three, eight or four, four flat or something like that. I, um, he, he was drafted by Dallas. I don't know. I don't know homeboy's name either, but he was drafted by Dallas. Dude couldn't even backpedal and he ran a, but he ran a four, four inverted something crazy and got ended up getting drafted in like the fourth round or something like that. And yeah. And Kurt, Kurt still hadn't come off the board. And, and so we get to, we get to the little draft party. And, and by that time he had gotten drafted by the Eagles and, um i just remember the vibe in there was like it was like excitement but it was also like man what the fuck like seventh round like i was expecting to put some money in my bank account not a 45k check i was expecting for like a 500k check or something you know what i mean and that's a life and you would put so much work in there and you've done everything right and and you're you're you're, you're a coach's player let's be honest if you sit down with the coach they're gonna love you um and so talk about what that feeling was and like you know how how that how that made you feel um knowing that you had put together this great body of work but yet people were still doubting you at that point i think the the hardest thing you know i thought even after my junior year that i might want to dabble into the the draft realm uh, beanie you know hey, you know, i remember beanie and i we first went in there and we said look after our junior year we're out and i had a good junior year i mean statistically again speaking i had five interceptions i mean i had a really good junior campaign season um and i was playing alongside malcolm jenkins who was the thorpe winner like i'm like oh i'm ready um but i was like you know i want to finish it my senior year so we come back for the senior year and again i put together another great campaign i went to the semifinals of the thorpe uh our team like how many times is a defensive back uh, you know the mvp of, of your team like you know i had done so um, I go to the senior bowl, I do my thing at the senior bowl, and then I'd kind of come up with a little bit of an injury, run at the pro, or I couldn't run at the combine, but I ended up running a 449 at the pro day and did all the drills. And I'm like, man, <laughs> and I remember I got done doing my drills and I, I was like, oh yeah. You, you, you. I think, you know, sitting there through, in, the, in my first year in 2010 of the draft was the first year they went from two days to three days of the round. So it was first round on day one and then second, third. And I and I remember talking with my agent. He's like, "Look, if you go first round, like that's like a blessing." That all right, we're back here. A little technical difficulties. This is bootstrap being done, you know, by some amateurs. But uh, Kurt, you were talking about, uh, um, you know, the lead up to your pro day and then performing well in that aspect. And I think you, I think you started cutting out when you're talking about having a conversation with your with your agent at the time and about potential rounds that you might go. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I felt like the the first round thing was, you know, attainable just because I played with or you know, played against or seen a lot of the guys that would be potentially going in the first round. So that, but that was a stretch. But realistically, I was expecting the second round to fourth round. I'm like, we got this. And, you know, I think the unfortunate thing is I had an expectation on what it had to be, um, not a realization that it could have been anything. Right. And I think, you know, when you go into scenarios, when you have, it's good to be confident. It's good to have this, but it's, you need to have that flexibility to know that it really could be anything. Um, but it's what you make of it, and it's how you perceive that moment of what actually happened. And the truth that I was trying to live in is, shoot, second or fourth round. And so we go through the first day of draft, round one, nothing. I figured that. Second day, didn't get anything. That's weird. Agents telling me, look, you're, you're basically the next guy on a bunch of guys' boards. And as that Saturday started creeping through, and I'm like, is it me? What did I do? Like, what are they not seeing in me? You know, I started to, that doubt. Um, you know, I felt a little ashamed because I had my family in my apartment. I literally ended up going to my room, shutting my door. Um, and I'd get these phone calls from these random numbers. And I was like, oh, they're ready to draft me. Hey, just want you to know, we got two more draft picks. Um, probably not going to take a safety, but we would love to have you as a preferred free agent. I'm like, yo, like, if that's not, like, the most disrespectful thing, like, the draft is still rolling, and you're telling me you want me to be a preferred free agent. Like, I don't want to hear that. Right. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you have to handle, like, you have to handle the situation. Like, I'm talking to my agent, and he's like, look, I understand there's still some teams out there that still need a safety, but, you know, in the event that's not, like, let's start looking at teams that need actually a safety, even though they didn't draft one. Um, so for potential free agent landing spots, and I'm like, fine. And, you know, I went from like a, like a plateau. I got really like excited at one point during the draft and then it just dropped. And then I get the phone call from a 215 number. Hey, this is uh, Howie Roseman. Um, hey, we want to, we want to draft you. Um, Coach Reed wants to talk to you. I'll end up walking out to my balcony family's still in the like the living room and I'm walking out there like how you doing coach Reed how you doing Mr. Coleman um just want you to know we're going to be drafting you um you know with our next draft pick uh you know are you gonna be ready to come play absolutely I'm gonna be ready to come and play and then I went from like back to like wow this is like a surreal moment and not until like I hung up you know we're celebrating and and uh, you know I told my parents I'm like I'm sorry you guys like sorry you guys like spent this time with me celebrating and they're like what are you ashamed of like you just did something that not a lot of people actually get to experience and, and again it's that moment of like we were all living that same moment like they were there during the draft I was in there during the draft my perception of that moment was bad until it was like not a lot of people get afforded this opportunity be thankful for it and I'm like can be thankful in this like this is an awesome thing and I, I think the cool thing about it too was I went to the exact place that I needed to go um had I gone somewhere else in the fourth round my story my journey could have been completely different it may not have been but um it, it just goes to show like my rookie year they kept three safeties it was a nine-year veteran two rookies right. the other rookie yeah the other rookie was drafted in the second round yeah. Who was that? Was it was it Quentin Demps? Was that the Quentin Michael? They released Quentin Demps. They released him. 
That's right. I remember this. And I mean, you know, I, you're, you're right. And you're talking about like, like circumstances and, and like, you know, what life could have been if you would have gone somewhere else. But like, who's to say that 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 moment and the fact of, of you having to wait and we hear it so many times of, of, of people feeling slighted on that day um, and them using that as, as fuel and fire to to, you know, propel their career to, to the heights that it ends up going to. Um, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's difficult to say what, what your career would have been if you would have ended up getting drafted where you should have. Um, but you know, you went to the right place at the right time. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, and, and, your, and your tenure in Philadelphia was, was ones of extreme highs and extreme lows. <laughs> I, I, I obviously was, was watching very closely and, and, and paying attention and, uh, you know, being, being my best friend, I, I wanted nothing but success for you and to see what you would would go through there i kind of felt like i was i was there with you but um you know just the fact that you were able to make the make the team as a seventh round pick uh be a contributor early on and then you know they kind of saw some great momentum from that and then like it, it got a little muddy after that yeah i mean it's it's interesting because uh so the first year obviously um i was there's was only they only kept one safety so i was the safety i had to learn both positions which is not typical in a lot of defenses. Um, but then even moving forward, um, after Nate got at, Nate Allen got hurt, I think week 14, I believe. Um, so I got to start after that. And he had been injured uh, for, uh, one game previously during the season. Um, I remember Monday night uh, against the Washington Redskins, against Donovan McNabb, got my first interception. You know, and so it just, I think I solidified myself that I knew like I was ready for this, these moments when they were, <laughs> when the coaches saw fit for me to be ready. Um, so then I finished out the season as a starter uh, my rookie year. And then the next year I was, um, they had drafted another safety in the second round. And it was, it was basically like, look, we know what you did, but we don't see you as the starter. And it's just like, okay. And then I go through that. I beat him out, start that whole year. Um, and what's funny is, guess what? Three games into my second year, I get benched. Um, and then I'm like, man, like, what is going on? Sure enough, another guy gets hurt. I get another opportunity. I get three interceptions in a game. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, and, you know, I think the moral of the story in Philly, I always felt like I always, I, I could never change their perception of, who I was um so whenever I just had these moments you know I just had to live in it and I had to enjoy each and everything and you know I look at Philadelphia as a great great starting block to my career I mean it, it taught me so much about myself um my wife um is from the outskirts of there we had our first child in Philly um there's so much good that happened in Philadelphia um you know, and so like I look at those moments like, yeah, there, there were some bad moments, but it taught me a lot. It gave me a, it gave me a lot. And I look at just how much when you go through adversity, adversity is not there to um, stop you. It's there to strengthen you. Um, the roots of a tree grow deeper because of the wind that it's going against. And my roots just kept growing deeper and deeper. And then obviously, you know, throughout my career, um, you know, I go from Philadelphia, I sign a one-year deal in Minnesota, I get cut during training camp, the last day of training camp. Um, the next day I drive down to uh, Kansas City, I'm the third safety, and I end up leading the team in interceptions. Like, it's just stuff like that. Like, you, do, like, if I had to write a script or write a book about myself, that's not how the narrative's playing out. I'm not, I'm, I am not the author of my story. 
Um, that's life, right? I mean, that's such a microcosm. We have our ups and we have our downs. And, and a lot of times when you're having your ups, you feel like, man, I got this figured out. I'm going to keep, keep riding this recipe. And then, you know, life happens and, 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 and things change quickly. And that like that that fortitude that that you're able to, to cultivate as an athlete and that ability to to take the yeses and the nos and, and yeah. not, have, not have the nos define you. Well, actually, yes, you do have the nos define you. They define you in a way of like, I'm going to become stronger from this. Iron sharpens iron. The obstacle is the way you mentioned the the roots on the tree grow deeper when the wind gets stronger. Like these are those things. These are those these are those moments that not not just athletes get experiences because everybody goes through adversity. But like I said, it's very visceral as an athlete because it's so right in front of your face and it's so right now. Um, and, you know, those are those things that you possess now as a person. Not as an athlete, as a person, you have those in your soul. So when life throws the difficulties at you that it does and that we've all been experiencing these last couple of years, you're going to know how to respond. Right. Um, and, and the thing is, is like I see that like you're 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 a, you're a shining example, to be honest with you, your, your your ability to to digest and to to go through these processes and to come out stronger is 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 pretty incredible and has, has allowed you to to you know live the life that you're living um, but a lot of us, you know, haven't had that ability or, or weren't weren't blessed with that type of mental fortitude. And so you see these people who are so hyper successful as high school athletes and they and they go to college as this, that and the other. And maybe they even have a good college career, but then they get to the pros and something immediately happens and and they're not able to recover from it. They're not able to to come back from it. And then they, they they're off into that next you know phase of life. And it's almost like they forget all of these things that they learned as an athlete. And it's like, how do we apply those to our day-to-day life? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what are the what are the processes that we can recognize these things? And I think it's interesting because yeah. with, you know, as an athlete, you know, we are, we are, you know, I mentioned in the first podcast, we are all these things as we're accountable, we're, we're, we're tough, we're, we're, we're able to think on our feet. You know, there's a ton of different uh, attributes that we, we gain. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is there's a scaffolding for which us to operate on under, right? As an athlete, you know exactly where you're going to be for the next minute, day, month, year, extrapolate it out. You know exactly where you're going to be. And there's, there's, there's a, there's a level of, of comfortability and there's a level of safety in that. Um, and when those moments are gone, when, 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 when the, the time of you playing leaves, that doesn't go with you. And, you know, you can talk about programs and people help, but at the end of the day, People only care about the people that are producing for them in, in whatever uh, industry it may be. In this particular industry, we're talking about sports. Um, and I feel like that's where a lot of us get lost in is like, whoa, I don't even know how to tie my shoes anymore. Like what the and like and, and a lot of the a lot of the uh, attributes that you have just they, they go by the wayside. And you're not implementing them. So it's like, you know. We talked, you know, we, we definitely are getting deep into into your career. And, you know, from from Philadelphia, you said you went to Kansas City and that was a, a great stepping stone for you to go to Carolina where you had, you know, I, I would argue your your best years and were part of the, you know, the 2015 team that went 15 and one. You had seven picks, went to the Super Bowl um, and then, you know, continue your career for, for 10 plus years. And, you know, a lot of a lot of similar stories within those within mm-hmm. those moments. Um, but I think, you know, probably the hardest challenge that you face today is is, you know, OK, Kurt Coleman, the football player, Kurt Coleman, 20 plus years of, of identifying as this person has come to an end. Um, and, you know, as an athlete, you, we talked about the irrational belief thing in the first podcast. And I'll talk about that until uh, the cows come home because it's a huge part of what we're doing here. But in that sense, like you're you're not thinking like, OK, like this is going to end. Like you're like, no, like 
I'm a 10 year plus pro. Like if I get the right opportunity, if I get the right fit, like I'm going to be able to, to crack another two, three years out here and, and, and continue to collect those checks that didn't end up working out. So, so I, I'm, I'm really interested in about hearing about, you know, someone like yourself who, who identified and, and lived their life for 10 plus years as a professional and, and 10 years prior to that, trying to become a professional. What was it like, man? What was it like to, to step away from the game and, and not have those, those safety nets that we were talking about? Well, that's you, you set that up really well because I think, you know, when you are in sports and especially when you're on good programs, they really do have it laid out for you from the moment that you wake up to the moment you go to bed. Um, and you are in that comfort zone knowing that um, something's, it's like a self-guided tour throughout your whole life. And, and when it's done, whether you know that it's happening, i.e. Tom Brady, even though I still don't know if he knows it's happening or not happening. I don't even know. Maybe he knows. He's doing photo shoots on, on some, some far-flung Caribbean beach with the with Gronk, Edel, and the crew. Oh, oh wow. Okay, so uh, it's a good crew to, you know, it's a good retired retire crew. I want to go retire with them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad crew. Um, or you're, you're, you're the guy that, um, you know, that it, you get injured and it just it happens so abruptly and suddenly that you weren't ready for it. Or it's me where... You, you kind of know, you, you see it and you're, you're fighting for more. And if it happens, you're happy, if not. But then the, I think the, the thing that's true and it's all, and I had to come to grips with this, it's not going to feel the same. Um, but if you fight that feeling, like if you feel like if you try to search for things that are going to fulfill that bucket, you'll never find happiness in anything else. Um, and I realized that quickly, like, I'd, I'd probably be with my kids like y'all want to go y'all want to go race over here like y'all want to do this like I'm trying to like find that comp competitive edge in all things that I was doing to kind of help fill that void and I remember my wife Laura she's like we're not competing right now and I'm like yeah <laughs> uh okay yeah maybe you aren't but I thought I was so my bad um <laughs> I, you're bleeding. You're, you're, at yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and what's funny is, uh, even like there was always a time throughout the year, right before training camp, probably about two weeks before, she said, I would go into this mental phase. Um, and it's like a mental hard, hardened, hardenedness where literally like my emotions would just fall right off me. Like you, you wouldn't know. Like I just, you had to put yourself in a mental state to withstand training camp. Um, so, and, she, and I remember during, and it just happened to be like when my career ended, it happened to be during 2020, during the pandemic where everything was ending or it was isolation and all that. And she's like, wow, it's nice to have you around during this time. And I was like, it's nice to be around. And I didn't have to worry so much about not playing because it was the pandemic. Like we were focused on like masking up and shoot, declothing everything when I came back from the grocery store to make sure there was nothing on like um so like my mind was like busy with that and then the second year you know you still like the second year um it was different because I was transitioning into a job but I think also um what was important for me during those that that time of when I was finished or and I was still kind of in limbo I was doing a little bit of coaching I was calling games for the Panthers I was actually trying to write business plans about you know how do I present this to uh to a company or to a school or whatever for my services and what do I charge for these? Like, it, it, you know, I, I started to dab in other areas, but, um, you know, for me too, it was understanding that I'm more than what I was on the field. And I, 
I don't have to see myself necessarily as that player. I can leverage what I did on the field in a lot of areas. You know, look, I played 10 years in the NFL. Being able to lead a group of men, that says a lot. So I have managerial skills. I may not have to know, I may not know engineering skills or Microsoft Word skills necessarily. I can learn. You can, Microsoft Word, you can handle. Excel, maybe not. <laughs> All of that. Like, look, you know, writing writing a good email. Oh, yeah. Um, and being prompt in response. I mean, that, that goes a lot. Like, there's a lot of things to the to the business world or just the corporate world that, again, and you and I would have conversations. I'm like, bro, I got to talk to you about this. Like, <laughs> something's going on. And, you know, it, it's good, you know, again, for me, leaning on people that have the prior knowledge and experience and the wisdom um, to know, like, I don't have to know it all. I know what I know and I know what I have in me. Um, I may not have all of the necessary traits, um, quote unquote, or I may not be. I would think would be the, or the, or experience would be the, the word. I think experience is the huge yeah. thing. Yeah. Not qualification, not, not direct qualification. Yeah. Like well, you said, like, yes, you, you managerial skills, ability to work inside a network and manage a, a, a group of men, uh, very competitive men, uh, you know, will we'll be able to go over to whatever it is you're talking about, but that's not always uh, easy to articulate to somebody who never played sports, somebody yeah. who has no idea what you're talking about. And, and, and I think the other thing to me was it was like, um, for me, uh, playing in, in professional sports, everything like a problem arises, you go and take care of it right now. Like th there is no like, let me run it through. The no, you got to figure it out and you got to get it done now. Um, whereas, you know, there's things that happen and then you run it to somebody and then you got to wait and then they run it to somebody and then you're waiting. I'm like, what is all this waiting? Um, there's a lot of waiting. Um, but that's definitely the most difficult part, not the most difficult part, but one of the more difficult aspects of making that transition from living a life in, in the athletic realm and coming to to a professional realm is you can't communicate the same way. No timelines aren't the same. Uh, just just the way that business is done is just flat out different. Um, and that that can be difficult. You can come off very gruff. You can come off very yes. harsh, callous. Um, and you're like, what? Like, I'm just telling you to get your job done. And it's not. <laughs> unfortunately, like you would think that this is just about money because this is what we're doing. This is a business. This is a profession, whether it be athletics or whether it be selling technology like I'm doing now people like the other stuff. They like the frills. Like you have to, how are you presenting it? Like, are, are you, are you conscious of, of, of these people's timelines and their windows and their frames? It's like, no, I'm, I'm conscious of like, this is what is needs. This what needs to be done. This is how we're going to execute it. And if we're not executing on this timeline, then there's a problem. What's that problem? How are we going to solve it? Whereas, you know, that can come off. Like I said, it's people get a little bit offended by that type of uh, speak when you're, when you're dealing in the professional world. Um, and so I know, I know I've struggled with it and it took me a while to, to kind of, to taper myself off and learn how to communicate in that sense. And I, I know that you, I know that you struggle with it because of the, the, the conversations that, that you mentioned. Um, but that's all part of the process. And really you can go back to leaning on the fact of like, of being an athlete, like, okay, like, all right, this didn't work. Like, let's, let's take, let's take stock of, of, you know, how the process was going and, and why it wasn't working, get back to the drawing board and work harder on whatever it may be to get ourselves in the right position so that we can be successful again. Yeah. And, and, and I think too, um, you know, what, what's kind of, I've, again, I've had to change my expectation. Not everyone is trying to be at their very best all the time. You know, a lot of people are happy with just right where they're at. 
whatever it is that they're doing. Like for me, I, I like I like I like hitting benchmarks. I like knowing that I can exceed that. Like that, you know, you gain a satisfaction from knowing that, like you know, they 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 this is what they expected, and you did. And where sales, you, you know, it's pretty definitive. You know, you can see that. Whereas a lot of jobs, there's no metric for it. So how do you measure it? Um, and so, like I said, like I, I found that to be true. Um, so just learning how, again, to just navigate those pieces, but to be fair, like there's, there's that piece of the, the next job realm, but then there's the life. You got to transition into life too. Like where, when I was playing ball, um, from April to June, I was basically at whatever facility I was, you know, for X amount of hours and I'd be back. And it was like, almost like summer vacation type of thing. And then you'd go on a six week um basically block where you had to train on your own and you could be spend all the time in your family and then you went from a six six week block from um you went you you'd go into training camp for six weeks preseason and then you would go on a full 16 game season and then hopefully playoffs so that's almost six more months uh, but it was regimented in that sense when you're out of that it's completely different it's a monday through friday eight to five or depending upon your job like you have like I, I find it, you know, interesting to know that I had to be open to whatever it is that has presented itself. But the most important thing for me was what, what do I find purpose in or what am I passionate about? Um, you know, and it didn't have to make money, but it definitely needed to be gratifying and satisfying. And I, I think that's the, the key, at least for myself, is I knew that if I followed those moral compasses, that everything else would kind of align. Um, some people that just try to go straight after money, like, and then they're going to miss out on the family time. You know, I had four kids, I had a wife, we had a great life. And so if I just chase money, then that's time that I'm missing out on certain things and opportunities. And, and, and is that really what life is supposed to be like after my transition? Um, for those that are just, you know, getting out of college and, um, doing that transitional piece, you know, I, I just sat down with somebody today and I said, you know, rank some of your priorities, you know, put down those priorities, you know, what are your top priorities? So as you're going and you're casting that wide net into the world of, of life and in business, and, you know, when you're meeting with these companies, how many of these priorities are they checking out? Um, and then help kind of gauge that. And also to understand that first step doesn't have to necessarily be the ending point to the journey. That first step literally could just be a starting block to help propel you because you never know what that first job, who you may run into that is in a completely different field. And just based off of those conversations, that's how that, that to me, those relationships and those partnerships, that's who I would lean on. Like that, that's to me, I'm out here willing and dealing and talking to people and meeting people. And you know what? Y'all are doing that nonprofit, man, that's really cool. Or you guys are setting up that kind of deal and that kind of business. That's really cool. Like, how do I get involved? Um, and that to me is really the cool thing about this next phase is if you, if you go into it with a real openness, um, but also have a strategy about it, that that's, what's helped me is really laying things out on paper, thinking about it, you know, really spending some time getting to know Kurt, um, and to figure out what, what do you really want to do? Um, that those things really help me move on and transition through because because you're, you're right, you know, listening to your first episode and you talk about that, that yellow rope or the yellow tape. And 
you know, it doesn't matter if you're in college and you're out or you're 10 years and you're out. When you don't, when you're not, when you're not a part of the club, you're always outside the club. Right. Now you may have, you know, seasonal membership to be able to come by and say hi to the club members. Right. But you, you, it's not the same. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a tough thing for mentally, for mentally for people to handle. I mean, I, like, like we've mentioned, you know, for you, you're, you're extremely mentally tough person and, and, and most athletes are very mentally tough, but to, to, to have your identity taken away from you and, and have to repurpose that, um, in literally the, the split of a second, it's the one moment you're here, the next moment you're there. Um, I feel like that's where a lot of people get lost. And, you know, we kind of jumped ahead when we were talking about coming from an athlete going into the professional world, like, yeah, that's definitely a big part, but then you kind of brought it back and we're talking about from being an athlete, just being a person um is is really the most important part of that because if you can't get yourself right as a person it doesn't matter what opportunities you have professionally yeah. you're not going to be able to act on them um and that kind of like is in a nutshell is kind of this whole thing and, and how this whole concept like thing started right and it was like for me I, I i mentioned in the first podcast like you know i i i my, my playing career came to an end um i had an opportunity to play uh, uh to go to a, like a, a, a remote camp and for the uh, hamilton tiger cats in Canada. And I thought I did really well and, um, put my best foot forward, but they didn't end up retaining me. And so that was it. And then that was kind of that cycle. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, man, like, I don't know if I want to be that, that person who's 28, 29, still trying to grasp, still trying to play, maybe not have been able to, to, to hang on anywhere. Um, so I got scared and I was like, all right, you know, maybe it's time that I, that I go into a, into the professional realm. And I didn't know what I was doing, man. I wasn't, I wasn't healthy mentally, physically. Uh, I was drinking too much. I was going out. And either way, I got into this. I got into this sales job, and it ended up working out for me from a timing perspective. I was able to have success in that early on, um, and you know, I was getting all these accolades and all these things. And I'm, the things that you think, like, okay, when I'm when I'm younger, when I'm in college, when I'm in high school, and I'm thinking about what is success like when I'm an adult. I'm thinking these are the things. I'm getting bonus mm -hmm. checks. I'm going on trips. I'm winning awards. Blah 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 blah. I'm going to be a happy person because yeah, I'm going to have money in my bank account. Um, and I'm going to be seeing the success. I'm going to be being, you know, uh, you know, recognized in that sense. And it was in that moment when I, I literally remember I was driving, I was at the time I covered four States for my territory and I was up in the Northwest. So I was driving long distances. So I'd had plenty of time to sit with podcasts and this is kind of when they were really getting going. Um, and I, you know, it was, it was Tim Ferriss who I was listening to and he was, he was mentioning some things and I like, I, straight up, I, I I started break, I broke down and started crying. And I was like, man, like, I'm not happy. Like, how is this possible? Like, I'm doing all these things that I should be doing. And like, I'm just not happy. Like, why is that? And it was because I had never taken that time to think about who's grand as a person outside. Mm -hmm. of an athlete. I just jumped right into this, into this deal of, of being a professional and, and, and sales is an easy thing because it's, it, there's a lot of applicability between sales and being an athlete. You're talking about deadlines, you're talking about what have you done for me lately? You're talking about high pressure, all that kind of stuff. So that kind of, it was kind of like an easy transition, but how was I not happy? Um, and, the, and the podcast I was actually listening to, and you can go back and find it. It was, it was early on. And I mentioned this in the first one, it was, I think it's called like the investing the investment angel or something like that. But it was with a guy, the ball Ravikant. And he's talking about all this mindset stuff. He's talking about journaling. He's talking about reading. He's talking about meditating. He's talking about, you know, a variety of different self, uh, self-help techniques to get yourself in the best possible version of who you can be. Mm -hmm. And it was like a light bulb for me in that moment, man. And it really was, I was like, man, like 
I have this innate ability to 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 focus myself in on a goal and compete at an extremely high level. Like, what would I be as a person if I applied that to myself? If I started reading like I had like I had a deadline. If I started meditating yeah. like like my life depended on it, and all these type of things. And I mean, you you can speak for because you know me just as good as anybody else. But like the person I was then to the person I am now is is, is extremely different in in the positive. And I still have an, a, a yeah. very long way to go, but. Um, those experiences and, 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 and investing in myself with the athlete mindset has allowed me to, to want to continue to have success in my career, but more, more importantly, have, have success as a, as a family person, uh, you know, with my wife and, and having two kids and, and setting up a life for them. And then, and then just being able to, to communicate with others and, and potentially bring this, this message to others. But, um, I, I think that's just so important for us as, as athletes uh, making that transition to understand, like, Life isn't easy on the other side, but we have all the tools necessary in spades, in fucking spades. And I, I want to emphasize that because sometimes it doesn't feel like that because your value is taken from you when you leave sports. Who you who you value yourself as is, is taken from you. And it's not easy to find that that, like you said, that purpose once again. Um, and it's, it's, it's in the work, man. It's in the work. It's in it's in the it's in the, you know, the education. It's in the meditation. It's in the journaling. It's in the keeping keeping a, a, a regimen with your with your your fitness routine because guess what yeah our entire our entire lives and who we became as people was, was based around that was based around us our physicality and and we can't lose that like to me like i'll, I'll be in the gym and i joke with kurt sometimes i'll be in the gym and i'll hit, I'll hit a good workout and i'm like yeah I mean, you know like I, I think i could be good for like a quarter or two you know at least <laughs> right right now like just put me out there um because i because it, it it fills you up with that juice you know what i mean and like these things are important and you have to kind of find like what that is for yourself. It's different for everybody. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a journey that never ends. And that um, if you can apply these things and we'll talk a lot about more about it, what those things are um, to your day-to-day -day life, that's going to make you the best version of who you are. The professional self will follow. Um, and you know, you know, you can be as happy as you can possibly be. Life is difficult and, and we, and we go up and down with our, with our moods, but, um, you know, being at a consistent, a consistent clip is, is the goal and what we're looking to do. Um, so, I mean, we've been, we've been jamming now for about an hour and a half. I hope people are still listening, but um, as we, as we come, you know, closer to the end of this podcast, I, you know, one of the questions I want to have for you is we talked about, you know, some of the things that, that you do, but is there anything specific, like, is there a specific practice that you, that you like to do on a consistent basis that, that helps you keep the mindset, helps you keep perspective on, you know, who is the new Kurt and, 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 and how is he going to tackle this life? Yeah, man. Well, you, you, you've mentioned a lot of them. I think two things. Um, I always keep one of these with me. Uh, my little, my little, uh, I have a personal book and then I have a workbook, you know? And so um, I, I loved, you know, when I was playing, I would take a lot of notes and I still have all my notebooks. And this is just another way for me. Again, I feel like to keep, keep my pencil sharp. Um, in that way but then um i'm either reading i'm listening to sermons um I, I do a lot of self i want to like i'm always looking at myself um because i think one thing is i can't change people i can't change the circumstances that are happening around me but how do i again how do i continue to change myself and not so much change but continue to build up build up myself because you had said it like it's it's not easy, but you look at the sports and you know what whatever athlete that you are and that you're coming from, getting to the place that you got was never easy. 
like if you're the top badminton player in the country guess what you are training your butt off and that's not easy so like you and that shuttle we, there, you know? yeah <laughs> and we uh we 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 oftentimes find you know the things that we truly just love we'll, we'll we are willing to withstand the hard the rigors you know the pain but when it comes to let's just talk about it life we're not we don't approach it the same way and i think that is the difference in a lot of it too is like what do i do like what works for me may not work for you but something is going to work for you and you have to find out what that is for me i wake up every single morning i wake up at 4 20 whether i get out of bed or not that's on me but i wake up at 4 20 every morning and i'm either working out i read or i'll lay back down but what that does is i set a routine is my alarm's going back off and so that second time that i if i lay back down I don't know, I'm at 4 20 you don't just wake up being a dad as long as you have because i just wake up. man those kids i hear those steps i know what time those steps are coming in. those those steps come at 6 20. so um so i'm either getting a workout in or i'm reading or i'm gonna lay back down i let myself choose but those three things have to be obtained so if i lay back down well then there's no other time to rest for the rest of the day if I read, then I feel like I've gotten myself mentally in a mental space. If I work out, I got myself in a physical space. But all those areas have to be, you know, again, accommodated throughout the day. And so I'm constantly either refining my, my mind, my spirit, my physical nature. And I like to do one of those three heading into the days. Because if I, can, if I can get that stuff rolling, again, but it starts the night before. I've committed myself the night before. Because if I just try to just wake up and do it, well, shoot, I'm going to give myself an easy out. But if I say the night before, you got to get up and do this, or you got to do this, you've committed yourself the night before, and you've gotten those engines rolling, and you just continue to set yourself up um, for for further success. Because everything that I have done to this point, I started a week ago, a month ago, a year, you know, et cetera. So whatever I want to obtain in the future, I got to start doing it now. And for me, like that's the work that I want to continue to do is just that work. And I know this, I'm not a finished project. Project, um, I'm constantly like making mistakes and i'm okay with that but to me i love it i make a mistake and i'm like all right i analyze it. what do i gotta do what do i need to do differently like that's where like the the, the competitive ball player in me i'm like all right how do i make this this thing differently better more efficient whatever it is and, and that's like the mode that like at least i i'm transitioning um out of the professional room but i'm still keeping a lot of those um, very valuable tools and and the ability to communicate i've learned how to communicate i still kind of shout and i don't mean to because i'm used to being on a football field but i know how to communicate and so that you know the, all those things that i've learned and i've had they don't go away they're here with me so how do i use them i don't want to die i got to use them so that that's that those are the things for me um and then i, I think uh one of my coaches said be where your feet are and I wanted to be present in the moment that I'm at. So when I'm with my family, I try to be present. Um, the hardest thing too is, you know, when you have certain things with work or life, you know, we've been building this house, as you know, for two plus years. And I'm like, man, I just want to enjoy what we've been working on for so long. And we're in the house. And it's cool to see, like, you know, the kids that have been patient with the, throughout the process, like those, they're thriving now. And, um, 
man, it's just, it's just fun to just enjoy these moments. You know, I'm still very young and I may have to reinvent myself again and I'm ready for that. Um, but you got to be willing and wanting to do that, to do the hard work. That was, hey, that was, that was beautiful, man. I couldn't have said it better myself, but I think the main thing to take away from there is that is your ability to, to maintain that discipline. You know what I mean? And that's like, I'll, I'll say it a million times. You'll hear that like that discipline is a superpower. Like it is an absolute superpower to be able to have the wherewithal to say, look, like this is uncomfortable. I don't feel good about this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know it's going to be a benefit for me. Something as simple as, as, as waking up and setting that alarm at 420 or for like something I do is like a cold shower or something along those lines where I, I know I'm not going to like it every single time. I go to do it. I'm like, man, maybe you shouldn't do that. Like it's warm. Like just keep it warm, brush your teeth while it's warm and then get on, get on out. But I'm, I've cultivated my mind to say, no, I'm not going to give in to that little voice because I think that's a very powerful thing that people like they, they tend to say like, oh, when they see someone who's super successful, like, oh, it's just easy for them. They just wake up and it's just second nature every single day. And it's who they are and it's what they do. And they don't ever second guess themselves. And that could not be further from the truth. I think every single person second guess themselves on a constant basis. If you're not doing that, then then kudos to you. But there might be something wrong with you, um, and you and you might need to have some outside counsel because you might be, yeah. might be Elon Musk. I don't know. Either way, um, <laughs> but it's just like I I think if you can understand, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to feel great. I'm not going to feel like I want to do this every single time. But I know what it's going to do for me in the long run. That changes that that changes the narrative. It changes the process of what you're going through. And as, as former athletes, we have that deep within us embedded by us, by the, literally by terror. Cause I don't know how you operated, but whatever program I was a part of, if we were late, it was hell on earth. And you know what I mean? And like, that, that, is, that, that is part of my character. Right. I remember, you know, for our 6am workouts, I'd be up jamming and you'd be waking up right before just out the door. Hey, I, I wasn't, you know, yeah. If I could go back and change, if I was who I am today, back then, I mean, I don't know how long of an NFL career I would have had. I definitely would have had an NFL career because my mindset is so much different. I've become so much more mature in my process and, and perspective as to what's important and and, and, and what it takes to be a successful person. Um, but I mean, Kurt nailed it right there. And, and I don't think we need to talk any more past that. And the fact of that you, you possess as an athlete, you possess a discipline that cannot be measured against anything other than other athletes. And when you have that and you can apply that to the proper things in your life, Kurt's talking about working out, he's talking about reading, he's talking about getting more rest. Um, that's another thing. Um, those things are going to propel you into places that you weren't before and that you're going to have a better perspective, a clearer mind um, and a better ability to put your best foot forward, which is going to allow for a great life for yourself. And I know a lot of us struggle. Like I said, it's not like I'm not sitting here from from a chair of, of accomplishment. I'm sitting here from a chair of being in the in the, in the muck with everybody else and and I think to myself, man, like I do these things, like I meditate, I read, I work out, I, I, I spend, you know, concentrated time with my family. And yet I, I still struggle. And I'm thinking like, how do people who aren't doing these things even make it to the next day? Um, so I know that there's a lot of, I know that there's a lot of weight bearing down upon all of us. Um, and the only way we lessen it is by, is by making ourselves stronger so that we can stand up under that pressure. And that's the main thing that I want us to take away from this, from this initial podcast is that, you know, you have superpowers inside of you um, and they were, they were forged by fire um, and they're ready to be implemented anytime you're ready to use them. So we'll talk a lot about more through, through the, our other discussions as to how, you know, we can do that. And some of the things that you pick up, I hope that you picked up a lot of great things from Kurt. Um, all this stuff he's telling you is, is stuff that, that he's, he's bled into me as a, as a man and as a brother. Um, 
So I got nothing but appreciation and, and you've made me a better person um, and, and given me a, a guiding light as to, to how to, to operate yourself. So always love, brother. I appreciate you. Love, brother. Um, and uh, you'll be seeing this soon. So shout out. Hey, thanks again for sticking around for another episode. If you guys are looking for more information, please visit us at our website at ConsciousAthletics.net and our Instagram at ConsciousAthletics. As always, thanks to our sponsor, Be Cool, Be Smart, Be Alive, teaching our youth their rights and how to de-escalate. For more information, please visit BeCooler.org.